0: Well, good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you all, and thank you for joining in online. It's great to see you with us as well. Hope you will have a good time. Okay, so this morning, we're going to have a look at uh, a story which Jesus was relaying to his disciples. And I'd really like to launch today from Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. And this is when Jesus is teaching his disciples about being the salt of the earth. And this is a message to us today down those generations and so when Jesus teaches about salt and light I love how he always uses everyday things and objects and experiences that the people of the day would already have been familiar with and so here he's talking about salt which is obviously something that people would have come across and used most of their you know most of the time every day probably in their lives as we do today And I love how Jesus takes these simple sort of everyday objects and things and he brings out such amazing spiritual parallels and metaphors and examples and illustrations for us as well and the people of the day to be able to relate to what the kingdom of God is like and how it should be, how we can find faith and follow God and how we can solve the issues and problems in our lives and how we can live the best life for jesus on this earth with his holy spirit in and through us when we make that decision to follow him and i love how he explains things in everyday language and so we're going to read together matthew chapter 5 verse 13. you are the salt of the earth but if the salt loses its saltiness how can it be made salty again And I love the message version where it says, let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of the earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? Isn't that a nice version? Okay, so here Jesus is teaching about the importance of our lives remaining in him and influencing those people around us, whether that's in our workplace, our school, our classroom, our families, our community, the bus stop, the supermarket, or wherever we seem to find ourselves in our friendship groups. It's how we kind of live out our lives for Jesus amongst these people and where we are. Okay, so Jesus describes people who believe in him as the salt of the earth. So what does that mean? Well, first of all, we'll have a little bit of a look at what salt is and what it does, and a little bit of the historical context, because to us, salt is just an everyday thing, and we don't really pay much attention to it. But back then, it was like a really precious thing. And so we're going to explore some of the historical context of salt as a precious and like a preserving element. And so salt is mostly... It mostly contains sodium chloride and it is a very important mineral not only to us as humans but also to animals and also to industry. You might be surprised to find out that salt is needed to manufacture and make things like your phone or like your computer or like your trainers or like your clothes that you're wearing. So salt has many 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 uses. It is estimated that salt has about 14,000 uses. So it's not just for putting on your chips. Okay, for those of you cutting down on salt, obviously, you probably just put a bit of pepper on your chips. But salt is nice on chips. Okay, so you might be surprised to know that it is essential for life. It also has lots of medical things, is not it? Old, You know, years ago, they saved a sore throat gargle with salt water because it would help to inhibit the bacteria and things like this and so there's and they would kind of dress wounds with it and because it would have a cleaning purifying element to it and so it's very very important so the history of salt it was used as part of religious offerings and to preserve mummies in Egypt it was traded especially around the Mediterranean And uh, Venice, if you didn't know this, this is quite an interesting fact, I learned about this, rose to economic greatness through its salt monopoly. (coughs) Now, Adam and I went to Venice a few years ago, before children, and we were were on a little tour of of some parts of Italy, and I just found out I was expecting it with first son, so I was about six weeks into my pregnancy. And not being a pop drinker, I was craving pop, sweet, sugary pop in a tin, you know, and uh, I'm not normally that kind of person, and we went on this little boat, because everything out there is on water, as you know, and you had these little taxis, and you had to go on a boat to get from A to B, and we were on this boat, it was very humid, and it was full of tourists, and there was this young lad driving this boat, and I said to Adam, in the middle of the sea, or whatever, I need to drink pop, and he was like, well, there's no pop here, there's no, there's no shops here, there's no, you know, duty-free on this little fishing boat, it wasn't a gondola, and um, I can just remember craving this pop, and I clocked this little orange tin of Fanta under the little counter where the, the guy was steering the boat, and I said, I need to have that pop, and um, as, you know, being pregnant, you can have any excuse in the book to have what you want, really, <laughs> and he traded Five euros for this Fanta Pop, which was 25 years ago, which was quite a lot then. And it was the nicest glass of pop I'd ever had in my life. It quenched the thirst and hit the spot and it subsided some of the cravings I was having. And so anyway, Venice, it's it's an amazing place. And there's other cities in the Mediterranean that rose to greatness because of salt production. And Salzburg is another place. The kind of clue was in the name. And this was named because of its production and the transportation of salt. And did you know that the word salary derives from the Latin word sal, which in Roman times, salt was sometimes used to partially pay the Roman soldiers. It was such a valuable commodity. I mean, can you imagine today your boss turning around and saying, oh, I've got enough uh, cash in the reserves this month to pay you. Do you mind having part of that payment in some salt? We'd throw it over our shoulder or throw it in their face, wouldn't we? we say, no, thank you. But it was so valuable at that time. It was used for many, many things. It was very invaluable. <clears throat> and so you've heard the saying, they're worth their salt. When somebody does a good job and is kind of good at what they do, There's that phrase, oh, they're worth their salt. They're a good worker. They're a hard worker. And so there are more than 30 references to salt in the Bible. And in Leviticus 2, verse 13, it says, season all your grain offerings with salt. Because back in the Old Testament, they would give offerings to God, and the offerings were seasoned with salt. Like as a reminder to the people about their kind of contract or their sort of... um, uh, you know, relationship with God—that He was important, and they were important to Him—and it was like a symbol of God's like activity in a person's life because of its preserving power and its <coughs> enablement to like heal and to purify and to bless. And as Julian was talking about last week about the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit in and through us does all these things like salt. It gets into stuff. It permeates. It gets into our lives. It affects our lives. And when we live (coughs) our lives with Jesus in and through us, those things change. He heals us. He can deliver us. He can set us free from the things of our past. He helps us to move forward on a, a good path. He wants the best for us he wants our relationships to flourish, he wants our spiritual lives to flourish, and he wants the good things for us. And so salt gets into stuff, and it really does do good things. And so the idea of salt, of a salt covenant, has a great deal of meaning because of its high value. And so today, salt is just an everyday thing. It's cheap to come by, we have it in our cupboards, we don't think about it We have fridges, so we don't need it for, you know, preserving food like they did years ago. But to the people of Jesus' day, it was a really precious and valuable commodity. And so when Jesus is kind of like talking about being like the salt of the earth, it is because it has such high value. And we have high value in this world today. He wants us to realize that the value that we have because of him in and through us is amazing to those people around us, especially those who do not know Jesus yet. And we are to have like this preserving influence, spreading like Jesus' message and love and the way he is to people and helping people to come to know him through our lives as like a living example to those around us extending his ways of grace and mercy in doing life, extending forgiveness when those trespass against us and how we forgive and how hard that is sometimes. But with the power of Jesus in and through us, having forgiven us, we can then forgive those who've done wrong against us. And so all of these examples are like living a salty life. Now, not the salty of today. Now, if you're young, like under 35, (laughs) You know, you will hear the expression, oh, they're a bit salty. Sometimes if somebody's a little bit irritable with you or a little bit off, you think, oh, they were a bit salty. So I'm not talking about being salty in that context. I'm talking about being salty in the context that Jesus was talking about. And that is like his living power and Holy Spirit in and through us, affecting those people around us, showing them the ways of the kingdom and how he wants to kind of have this extension of a relationship with those who don't know him yet. So I want to look at two examples of two people from history and present day who were living their best salty life. You ready? Okay. Funny enough, I had a notification on my phone just before I got up to speak from Boots, the chemist, telling me of their latest offers. (laughs) So I want to talk about Jesse Boot. Now, Jesse Boot was a guy who lived in Nottinghamshire, so you know and uh, some time ago in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And he was 10 years old and his father had passed away. And so he left school and helped his mother with a family business. And their entrepreneurial (coughs) um, spirit and faith, because they were devout Christians, would see their vision for social change happen and saw Boots the Chemist become a household name. Now, in the mid-19th century, doctors were prescribing expensive meds that most people would not have been able to purchase or afford. And so there was no NHS at that time. So Jesse Boot provided affordable medicine, and he launched Health for a Shilling. It was a campaign where he bought in vast quantities in bulk, and he sold to the people of the day way below the recommended retail price for these medicines and prescriptions. And so he then enabled people to have access to treatments that they so much needed. And as a result, this enabled their business to grow and expand and to set up more stores across Nottingham. Their faith and their innovation saw their business flourish and be a blessing to not just their patients, but also to their staff, Because at that time, they had very sort of advanced views about the welfare of their employees. And so today, you know, you you might work for a big company and they might look after you with these and this and pension and perks and, you know, your welfare um, in mind. But back then, there wasn't really much of that going on in most sort of working uh, people's lives. And so he would build, like, um, athletic clubs for the welfare of his staff. He provided, like, a breakfast club, a a profit-sharing scheme, and all of these things. And um, he also, later on, was able to build uh, housing for war veterans and for his workforce. And so their innovation in the workplace really offered the employees, like a doctor's surgery, and libraries so they could educate themselves. And they donated land and many, many, lot of money to many local charitable causes, as well as opening many more stores across the UK. And today, there are over 2,000 Boots stores in the UK. Who goes there for their Christmas shopping? Their number seven makeup. And if you're not very well, Morva Boots is open 24 hours. You can get your prescription in the middle of the night if you need something. Okay, so very inspiring, isn't it? He lived his best salty life for Jesus in his day and affected his community and the people around him, not just his workforce, but the local community as well, and saw a lot of social change because he used his kind of gifts that God had given him. And so modern day, another person you're probably really familiar with is a lady called Christine Kane, and she is a speaker and an author, and an activist, and along with her husband, set up the A21 or A21 campaign, which um, is all about rescuing, reaching, and restoring people who've unfortunately been caught up in some kind of human trafficking. And so these are kind of two people who've like, you know, used their gifts for God and allowed their kind of lives to be salty in their sort of field. Now, we may not be an activist or a uh, business person. So how can we use our lives to be like salty, so to speak, in our realm, where we live, with what we've got and who we are? And so how do we keep our saltiness and not lose our flavor? So let's continue and look. So how do we continue to be used by God in our families, and in our communities, and in our workplaces, and in our homes. Well, I'm so encouraged to be part of a church that really is a salty expression of what they believe in and through our community. And that is something that has been part of this church right from the start, where we seek to serve our communities and bring the message of Jesus through words and action all through everything that we do, and that's really encouraging, and everybody's been on board with that, and a part of it in some way, shape, or form, and that's brilliant, and I know individually, you know, we sort of endeavor to live our lives where we have, like, Jesus at the at the front, and we kind of, you know, endeavor to live, like, well, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? How can I reach that person for Jesus? How can I influence that person for be- for the best? How can I bring that person to know Jesus for themselves and we know that we are just a part of that in many people's spiritual journeys and it's really encouraging to be part of a church that is so outward focused and outward looking as well as kind of loving and serving each other as the family of God which is who we are because we are loved so much by Jesus and so we are to be distinct from the world aren't we? We are to be kind of reminding ourselves that we are merely passing through this world. And in Romans 12, verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be renewed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that is a really encouragement to remind us that we don't actually belong here long term, that there is more for us. We're just merely passing through. And so in our passing through, let's remain salty and help others find Jesus in and through our lives, words, and actions. So how do we practically continue to do that? Now, we may be on a spiritual journey where we're just peeping in and having a look and having a think. We may be just at the start of our spiritual journey. We may be well down the road of our spiritual journey. And sometimes in life, we can we can slip into sometimes maybe getting a little bit diluted. And so I want to encourage myself especially to remain salty, and for each of us to be just reminded and encouraged to continue to be your best salty life for those around you. And I suppose for those of us who kind of believe in Jesus, it's just continuing to add Jesus' flavor to whatever environment that you are placed in. And that is a good reminder, isn't it? To have like a Jesus attitude and like a cheese's culture in our speak and in our actions and in our decisions, in what is more becoming a decaying world around us. And when we add a bit of salt to our food, it makes food taste better, doesn't it? It really brings out the flavors of all those different vegetables and fruits and meats and pulses and things that are bland and need a little bit of help, like couscous <laughs> and things like that. And sometimes, you know, sweet things are balanced by salt when we're making something sweet, like a brownie or a cookie, you know, you put a little bit of salt and it just kind of balances the flavor, and it improves the flavor. So when we are in a situation, like in an office or in a team or in a group or in a community, does that environment become a better flavor? Because we are there, shining the light of Jesus in our speak and in our talk and in our conversation, in our behaviour, and in our attitude, in the decisions and the kind of choices that we make. And I was shopping recently, locally, and I was in a queue in the supermarket, and there was a young man from church, a couple of people ahead of me, and there was a lady there, and she was having a little bit of trouble with something, a card or a bag or something, or a shopping or her goods. And there was a bit of a queue, and you know what it's like when you're in a queue when everyone's getting a bit huffity, salty, And uh, the next thing, this gentleman from our church, I won't name him, he pays for the lady's shopping. And I'm standing there thinking, oh, well done, that's amazing. Now I feel like I've got to pay for that person's shopping behind me now. (laughs) And I was really, like, encouraged, and I was really challenged. And I thought, oh, good on you, that's really being salty, isn't it? Even in a supermarket queue, that he was able to bless this lady with, like, a, you know, a really kind gift that he paid and she made a fuss and then everyone was like really ooh, and then the cashier was like blown away just couldn't believe the kindness of this person and it was just like a random act of kindness now, I'm not saying we should go paying for everyone's shopping or but you know we can all do things can't we in the queue on the bus stop in work to make a difference to be salty, to shine our light for Jesus in the words and in the actions. They can be small things, they can be big big things and anything in between to make a difference in people's lives, to be that little chink in the chain that could open somebody's eyes. Well, why are they different? Why why have they got, you know, that attitude? Why are they, you know, peace in the midst of a personal storm they're going through? What is it about them? And it would seek to help people ask questions. About our beliefs. Social media. Now, social media is kind of like that, it's like a shop front, isn't it, to our lives? It is like, this is what I am, this is who I am, this is what I think, this is what I'm into. And our social media is kind of like a platform where we're kind of out there, public. And so that is also something to guard and to keep salty for the right reasons. Are our likes and threads and comments derogatory or unhelpful or critical or judgmental or harsh or inappropriate? Or are they salty? Are they helpful, encouraging, kind, positive, appropriate, godly? It's kind of like a very challenging area of our lives sometimes because sometimes when you go onto social media, there are things you'd like to say, but you have to bite your lip. often (laughs) okay and so how do we do these things well it's all about staying connected to jesus when we are in our kind of fields of groups and teams and people that we spend our time with and it's to stay connected and Staying connected to Jesus is really important, isn't it? Especially in today's world where there are so many distractions and so many things that would tear us down and discourage us and cause us to question our faith and to lose our faith and all of those things I know we all go through from time to time. But staying kind of like in God's word, in his message, in his book, reading about him, What he says, what he does, how to live, how he thinks of us, what he thinks of us, which is the most important thing, not about what other people think of us, is connecting to Jesus through our worship and our praise, not just on a Sunday, but, you know, in those moments where we just carve out time to be with God ourselves, to rest in his presence, to soak in his presence, to to know and feel his tangible Holy Spirit in and through us, giving us peace where we need peace, and giving us all of those things. And it's like praying to him, communicating to him. Every relationship thrives when there's good, open communication. Relationships often go a bit quiet or a bit salty when there's a lack of communication. And so on our part, let's stay open to Jesus. Let's stay open to God with the things he wants to show us and direct us and remind us of. And avoid being diluted. It talks about if if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be purposeful? for well, then it's just you know it goes on to say it's best to be like thrown out trampled by trampled by men well you know we don't want to be like useless in the kingdom of god and we're not but it's sometimes we can very easily become tempted to be just come a little diluted a little bit off a little bit oh well that doesn't really matter and we kind of slip into things that would dilute our faith because we are not staying connected to jesus And I just want to encourage us and challenge us and myself as well today at the kind of beginning of this year to stay connected to Jesus, to stay flavorful and salty in the people who are around you as well. Because if salt is diluted with water or other minerals, it loses its saltiness. So be careful what you spend your time doing. Be careful with the people you spend your time with. Don't be diluted taking on other people's kind of opinions and thoughts and lose track of your faith and all of that 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 it means to you. Don't be diluted or invaded by other people's agendas or, you know, lifestyle choices and things like that, not to be kind of um, affected by other things. Limiting what we join in with in our conversations, avoiding the temptation to join in that gossipy conversation in the office or at the school gate sometimes there's a very fine line isn't there between chatting about a situation and something and then it just goes into this like area where it's like uh-uh, and an alarm bell starts ringing you just get this like churning in your stomach and you just feel this isn't right will you be the one to change the course of the conversation it's hard sometimes but you know talk about something else talk about the weather talk about somebody else talk about whatever just to change the course, to change the shift of that conversation. Because all of these gossipy conversations just get everybody into trouble. And if they're talking about that person, guaranteed they'll be talking about you next. Limiting what we join in with with our mates. You know, for, for us, if we're kind of, you know, our circles of friends are into like unhelpful things. Just limit those things, That, that, that the influence that they have on you. Be careful when we're out drinking or we're out partying, you know, to kind of know where to draw the line with things and with our mates so they can see that we are choosing not to do this and not to do that because it's important to us that we are, you know, living our lives in a salty way and godly before God and staying committed and faithful in our service and in our relationships. So I want to encourage us this morning to keep going, to continue to be salty in those areas, the big things and the little things that we do, the things that are seen and most importantly unseen because nothing goes unnoticed by God. And I want to encourage us to keep building our treasure in heaven and to honour God with our everyday life and to just lay our lives before him every day and to just ask him to help us, to strengthen us and to help us be aware of what we say, what we do, and how we interact, and how we come across so that people can see that there is something different in us, that that is Jesus, the living God in and through us. So I just want to encourage us with that today. Stand firm, and to finish off, in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58, it says, My dear friends, stand firm and don't be shaken. Always keep busy working for the Lord, you know that everything you do for him is worthwhile. So all our endeavors, all our conversations, all our random acts of kindness, they're important and worthwhile. They may seem like nothing to you, but to that person you're serving or blessing, it can mean the world. So I want to encourage you with that to finish. Amen.